Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. So good. So I, I really believe the Lord wants us to get ready to step into what He's doing. Don't get ready to, He's not getting ready to step into what you're doing. <laughs> he wants you to get ready to step into what He's doing. Okay, and it will bless your life. It will bless your life. It's so good. You know, it's when we let him lead and being out there, Ryan Delling uh, put this together. They had a whole, uh, they were each night of the week last week, they were in different houses of prayer, churches. Um, they were here Friday night. Uh, they were resting place Monday night and then all through the week they were somewhere else. It was leading up, culminating in yesterday's um, it was supposed to be a 10-hour event. The permit was for 10 hours, but the police told us that at 8 o'clock they had to, I guess there was an, a sound issue, so they couldn't continue the worship. Um, but any event, there were people getting saved, healed, and delivered all over because we were taking it out to the streets and just loving people and sharing the love of Jesus. And I want to encourage each of you that as we start to center ourselves in what God's doing, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening around the world. But our hearts have to be anchored in the one in whom our soul delights in, right? The one in whom our soul is securely found. So... Um, with that, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. I've been a bit fixated on the upper room discourse, as uh, many Bible scholars, I'm told, refer to this, these passages, John 13 through 17. This is Jesus' final message to the disciples before he goes to the cross. And this whole passage in John, you know, the whole part from John 13 to 17 is filled with deep, deep truth. And it's his instruction to his disciples before he's about to go to the cross. And he knows that there's going to be a great... Um, challenge. They're going to be perplexed about what's going to happen. He's telling them beforehand so they're not surprised, but guess what? They were still surprised. I, don't, I think it's like sometimes we can't get our minds around what the Lord is saying to us, right? It just doesn't, because if you have a certain mindset, you think a certain way, it's hard for you to change that thought, right? You have to like retune your brain. So the disciples had a mindset of, Jesus is the Messiah. Look, I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him walk on water. I've seen him uh, multiply loaves and fishes. I've seen him heal the blind man. I've seen him heal the, the lame man. I mean, wow. Like, we're going to do this thing. He's Messiah. And the Jewish mindset around Messiah was the conquering Messiah. He was going to restore the glory that was back in the, the days of Solomon. <laughs> Right? It was a it was a it was there was like a political mindset to it, not one that God he was gonna come in and restore uh, the heart relationship. They didn't fully get that, that a way needed to be made for us all to come back to the Father. So this is the upper room discourse, 
And we get to read this through sort of knowing the end from the beginning to some extent. They, they received this message without, he was telling them, listen, you know, the Son of Man is going to be delivered up and they're going to crucify him and torture him and, uh, and the third day I'm going to rise again and then Peter would try to pull him aside. No, we're not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus recognized that that wasn't even, Peter was under the, an influence. He was hearing a voice that was not from the Holy Spirit and he rebukes Satan wasn't really rebuking Peter, but he was letting Peter know what you're sensing is not from God. Okay? And, it, you know, so important that we know the scriptures and understand what the Lord is saying. I was having this conversation a little bit earlier with Colt. You know, not every voice you hear is the Holy Spirit. We're a prophetic company, and, you know, we ask the Lord for words, and we know he gives them. But you need to be rooted and grounded in scripture so that you're testing everything that you give by the word of God. Okay, because you can get information from second heavens, you can get it from other words, but we need to test the spirit and make sure they're of God. And the word of God, you know, on your iPad, your phone, or some of us have paper Bibles, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but that's why we need to be students of the word so we rightly divide the word of truth. So that when, you know, not, not every thought you get um, <clears throat> Is, is from the Lord, but you rightly divide it. Amen? It's so good. And God speaks, so we want to hear his voice. He says, you know, my sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. So when you hear that strange voice, that's not God. <laughs> okay? So it's good. So we're going to grow in that. Okay. Turn with me to Luke 13. I want to start with, I'm sorry, John 13. Thank you. I'm going to start reading it, verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. He was letting know everything that was about to happen. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives, whoever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Jesus was troubled in spirit, and he testified, most assuredly, I say, one of you will betray me. Now, we know he was speaking of Judas, and uh, I think sometimes when you know the end from the beginning, you know, we always, like, I think whenever, like, you read the list of the, you know, the first 12 disciples, and you read Judas in the list, we kind of look side-eye. All right. We know about Judas. But that, that wasn't how Jesus felt about Judas. Uh, that wasn't how the other apostles felt about Jesus or Judas. They loved Judas. Judas was one of the 12. Judas was in the inner circle. And, and Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Um, so <clears throat> when we read the next scripture... 
Verse 22 says, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. One of you, and they're looking around and like, we're solid. I mean, that'd be like Sal betraying me. You know, I've known Sal for 25 years. We were walking together through thick and thin and like, no, no way. No, but you have to understand what's going on here because you don't, if you don't understand and you, you miss the gravity of it. So when Jesus was betrayed, it wasn't only Jesus that felt the betrayal. The other 12 felt deep betrayal. He, he was one of us. He was my brother. Like, it's, it's hard. All right. Then the disciples looked at one of them. They were perplexed. They couldn't understand about whom he spoke. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples and Je that, whom Jesus loved. That was John. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned him and asked him to ask who, is, who it was of whom he spoke. So it's kind of like, you know, find out who it is. And John's kind of leading on his bosom, so it's just like a whisper. Then leaning back on Jesus, pressed it to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And then having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. Now after, now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, and then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him, for some thought, because Judas had the money box, Jesus was sending, sent him to buy those things that were needed for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. And having received the piece of bread, then he went out immediately, and it was night. So Judas leaves, and this really sets in motion now the, Jesus' final hours. I mean, he, he, he understands that by the end of this night, he will be taken prisoner, he'll be beaten and tortured, and ultimately, he'll go to the cross. And so it's deeply troubling. I mean, we read in the Garden of Gethsemane that as he's, he's praying, he, he, he's facing this, and he's saying, God, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So even though this heavy weight is on him, <clears throat> Jesus starts speaking to his disciples because his concern is for them. His concern for them outweighed his personal trial that awaits him. Now, he was fully man. He's fully God and fully man. But he experienced all the same emotions that we go through. You know, fear and anxiety tried to grip him as it would try to grip us. <clears throat> and, uh, but he was committed to the Father's will. So let's, let's keep reading. So at verse 31, so after Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. He's recognizing this is, it's, this is, where the, this is the culmination of my whole three-year mission. You know, he was born, he started his mission at 30. This is about three years later. It's, about, it's the culmination of his mission. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. 
Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered and said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but, but, but you shall follow me afterward. So Peter said, Lord, why, can't, why can I not follow you? <laughs> now, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll go anywhere with you. And Jesus tells him, Will you lay down your life for me, for my sake, Simon? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And if you read the passage in Luke, it kind of expands this conversation, you know, much more. And Jesus begins to even encourage Simon that, you know, listen, you're going to have some personal failure. It's not going to define you, Peter. I've prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. And when you're converted strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter never received it. He's like, no, no, even if everyone denies you, I won't deny you. <clears throat> we have to, you have to read the Gospels in the context and, and know that, you know, we can put it together a little bit. So <clears throat> where was he going? He was going to the cross. He knew where he was going. He was going to the cross. And he knew, even though he's telling them these things, that they weren't fully getting it. You see, they were, I think there's a blindness put on everyone. It says even, even the principalities and powers had no idea what was about to happen because it says if they, if they did, the scripture says, if they had known what was going to happen, they would never have crucified Jesus. But Satan's grand plot was, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to crucify him, not understanding the scriptures, because God just blinded the eyes, even of the enemy. They didn't fully understand the plan of salvation, God's eternal plan for you and I. <clears throat> All right. Let's continue into John 14, and don't now, remember, this is part of one continuous conversation. It's not, Jesus didn't say, break the, let's have a chapter break here and <laughs> come back tomorrow and I'll keep going. You know, there was no corrupt commercial interruption. This was, it was a continuous conversation. Let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to say that again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This wasn't a salvation message. This was, you believe in the eternal, invisible God. Believe in me. Believe in me. 
he was recognized. You see me now, and you're following me, but there's going to be a time when you don't see me. Believe in me. When we were saying, just give me Jesus, this is so important. Jesus is the man from heaven, the Messiah, the Savior, God Almighty. Our faith in him will secure us and keep us. You know, let not your heart be troubled is not a, uh, <clears throat> it's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, they were about to go into, into a circumstance and situation that was so perplexing to them. You know, they were all confused. I mean, Peter was going about to go back to fishing afterwards. Like, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm a fisherman. I'll just go back to fishing. Um, they were in a situation and circumstance that was very troubling. But Jesus said to them, let not your heart be troubled. And then he gives them certain keys, I believe, that are so important to us moving into securing our hearts in love. <clears throat> you know, um, there's a scripture, I think it's in Revelation, I don't have it handy, but it's, you know, you know fornicators, adulterers, etc., are not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you know what's also in that list? What did you say? The fearful. And uh, the fearful. Some of us, we, we don't recognize, like we t you talk about fornication, adultery, and some other sins, and like, oh, okay. You know, I'm not going to engage in that. Um, theft, et cetera. But we don't take seriously this thing about not worrying. You know, and, but what is sin? Sin is you're missing the mark that God's called you to. Sin is, you know, sin is to miss the mark, to come up short of God's will and desire for you. And when we, we allow ourselves to partner with anxiety, fear, uh, and those kind of emotions, you're actually partnering with the enemy because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, just like any other thing, we war against the things that war against our soul, right? That's what God's called us to do. Make war on those things that are trying to pull you down. I don't believe God ever gives us a commandment. I know he doesn't give us a commandment without giving us the grace to step into it. So when he says, let not your heart be troubled, He's also, that's a commandment, but he's going to give us the grace to walk in it. And how are we going to do that? Believe in God. We have to set up, we have to put our belief in God and belief, believe also in me. Believe in Jesus. He is the Messiah. He's the one who changes everything. He changes everything. The man Christ Jesus. He came and changed everything. He says to them, and this, is, this again is a key for not walking in fear, anxiety, oppression, even getting over betrayal. The disciples were about to be betrayed by Judas. It wasn't just Jesus. Yes, Jesus was betrayed, but they all felt betrayal. 
It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The place he was going was the cross. I'm going to the cross because in my going to the cross, I'm going to take on all of your sin, all of your sickness, all of your disease, all the stale, rotten thinking. I'm going to take it all and suffer the wrath of God in your stead. I'm going to prepare a way so that through my sacrifice, the sacrifice of the the sinless son of God, his shed blood, you could step into a full relationship with the father and that he has prepared a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. That means he's going to prepare, a, you have a place in it. There's room for you in his kingdom. There's, he actually has a plan and a purpose. He's sending Christ ahead of you to make the way so that you can step fully in. So how are we going to face perplexity ahead? You know, we've been in a perplexing season to be, you know, to be quite honest, the spirit of fear was unleashed in this pandemic. And, uh, you know, but we're not to partner with that. We partner with Christ in, in all things, but we have to recognize who he is. So when our, the situations around us change, and they changed around the disciples right then, you know, he's saying, believe in me. I'm going to make a way for you. I have a place for you. <clears throat> and if I go and prepare a place for you, here it is. I'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, I'm sorry, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know, God is so in love with you, you have no idea. I have no idea. But he's, he wants you to be with him. Like this whole plan of salvation was because he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be separated from you. Now, <clears throat> sometimes we get caught up. We, we, we don't fully appreciate how in it God is. Like, he's really in it. Like, he really wants to spend time with you. When we keep going down in this scripture, we says, you know, he says, I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. He's invited us into the very Trinitarian relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, I'm in my Father, he's in me, you're in me, I'm in you. Like, he's invited us into this deep place. And to know that even our failures are not going to disqualify us. Even your failures don't disqualify you. Now, <clears throat> the enemy would try to take your failures and say, all right, give up, throw in a towel, quit. You're never going to change. You know, you got to hit delete, repent. Like, don't give in to, you know, like, I'm, this is how I was created, and I'm just going to go with that. All of us have passions, desires in our flesh that war against the spirit. 
And we all have to war against those things that war against our soul. We can't give place to it. Whether it's fear, whether it's lust, whether it's envy, jealousy, covetousness, you know, fill it in. There are things that enter in that, you know, like you're, you're jealous of the guy who just got the promotion or the person who has more resources than you do or whatever, or lustful thoughts or whatever. Like you have to worry, you have to recognize those for what they are and you war against it. We don't, we don't make excuses for it. This is the way I was created. <laughs> we all have a fallen nature that wars against our soul. That's not who you are. The new creation in Christ, when you're born again, all, those, all that's passed away, but it tries to find its way <laughs> back into your life. It typically is, is, finds its way back into your life because we have old patterns of thinking. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12:1, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation really is in the emotional realm. And it happens, your emotions get transformed when you start to think correctly. Now, our jealousies, our, you know, covetousness, our, our lies or lust or, or whatever it is that tries to attack us come from patterns of thought that are there. And so, you know, what does the Bible say? Would it cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and, and do war with that? So Jesus says in um, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let's drop down to verse 27 in John 14. Verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says it a second time. He's recognizing when the Romans take me, when Judas comes and betrays me with a kiss, and every, everyone's going to scatter. Even, you know, Peter, his undying devotion, I'll never leave, even if I have to die, that he's going to, and then, and then Peter is going to be, Peter is not only going to be dealing with the emotions of betrayal from Judas, fear, anxiety about what's going to happen. They arrested Jesus. They're going to arrest us too. We're next. You know, Peter's also dealing with shame. I, with my big mouth, <laughs> Peter, Peter spoke. Whatever came into his mind, Peter spoke it out. You know, the Bible says, <clears throat> even the fool, when he holds his tongue, is considered wise. We have to be careful that we just, you don't give voice to every thought that enters your mind, right? <clears throat> but Peter was very extroverted, very out there, very just, oh, you know, just said what came to his mind. And so he was out there saying how he's undying love and devotion. But now, now he was shown to be not the man he professed to be. So he's feeling like a hypocrite. He betrayed Jesus. He was covered in shame. 
How many notice the difference between shame and guilt or shame and conviction? Shame says, you are no good. Shame speaks to the person. You're just, you're a no good, blah, 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 blah. Guilt recognizes the thing I did was wrong. Or conviction, you know, recognizes I shouldn't have done that, and we repent. The devil wants to cover you in shame because if he can get you to be covered in shame, he can, he can silence you. God doesn't want you disqualified. He wants you to repent. Look, if you if you've take responsibility for what you did, repent and move forward. Hit delete and keep going. But shame wants to cancel you as a person. And Jesus was going to have none of that. He wasn't going to the cross to let shame take you out. And so he said to Peter, Peter, when you're restored, strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter couldn't receive that word. It was a prophetic word. It's like, I don't receive that. That's not of the Lord. (laughs) That was the Lord who spoke it. So that, you know, Peter afterwards, like when you're dealing, and, and, and some of us, listen, the shame is real. Sometimes you've fallen, you know, and you have to get up. It's so important. It's so important that when you fall, you repent and you get up. Your sin doesn't define you. You know what defines you? Jesus defines you. Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. No flesh is going to glory in his presence. You know, anything we are, it's because of Christ. It's because of him. And so when and if you fail, I'm not prophesying over anyone, (laughs) but you get up. You get up. You know, I I don't advocate sloppy grace that you can go around doing anything. No, you know, the sin, the soul that sins will surely die, right? Like that's a destructive lifestyle. If you engage in things that are contrary to the will of God and you you just say, well, God will forgive me, your life is going to be a mess because sin will kill you. It just will. God is not trying to stop you from enjoying life, just the opposite. It's, that stuff is going to bind you up and mess you up your thinking, and it'll kill you. So, but we war against it and, and say, God, help me. So even those, like, I, I just, I, I want you to war against fear and anxiety. I just think it's so important that we don't sort of give a pass to fear and anxiety. Like, well, that's an okay sin. It doesn't affect anybody but me and, you know, my worrying, my thing. Like, that is not what God's called you to. That's so far short of the mark that he wants you secure in his love. Like, when he says his perfect love casts out fear, it casts out fear. So so we have to engage with the Lord. Say, God, help me. You know, I want to bring, you know, you, we, we rehearse we renew our minds, and God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You know, we rehearse the Psalms, uh, Psalm 27. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the, you know, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Like, these are the things that you rehearse. At, that's how you war. You war with the word of God. You come into agreement. Because all these things 
are trying to take you out because you're not agreeing with what God says about you. And when we agree with what God says about us and have our hearts anchored in eternity, this is what Jesus said. It's interesting. If your heart is anchored in eternity, meaning I'm going to spend all my days in heaven with God, enjoying him for all eternity. This life is a whisper. When it says in Revelations, you know, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. Like if we're trying to hold on to the things of this life too tightly, you're going to get, you know, fear is going to find a way in. Right? Because, like, you don't, Jesus says, you need to have an eternal mindset. Believe in me and have your, your heart, your mind fixed in eternity. I'm going to be with God. You know, Paul said, you know, that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and he said, you know, actually, Paul was taken up in visions into the, the third heaven, into the, the, the hel- heavenly realm. And he said, you know, actually, after being up there, I'd rather be there. (laughs) But right now, it's better for me to be with you so that I can impart unto you, right? But he recognized that laid up for him was a a crown, a heavenly crown, eternal weight of glory. And, um, but he, 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 he saw because he committed himself into the hands of the one. And I don't know what life has, you know, this, this I know. Life is not just a bed of roses. <laughs> like, we're going to, you know, some things are good. I enjoy the good seasons. I love it when everything is going great. But they're not, that's not life all the time. You're going to be challenged. And... <clears throat> We need to have our hearts fixed on the one in whom our soul delights in, in whom we're securely found. Now, here's the thing. Like, let me, let me, I'm going to close with this scripture. Maybe the worship team can come up. John 14, 20. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I'm in you. This is not just nice poetry, and it's a little perplexing when you first read it. But we need to meditate on this. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will show myself to him. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 26, he's going to send us a helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He's going to teach you all things and bring you to and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives to you. It's going to give you supernatural peace. That means it's free from worry and anxiety. Now take those scriptures. Say, God, help me to understand these scriptures that your, your supernatural peace you're giving me and show me more. Help me to understand this scripture and show me more. I want to enter in to this peace that passes what I can comprehend with my mind. You see, it's so important that we just don't read these things and try to understand just with our minds. We need to engage with the Holy Spirit and ask him, God, show me more. God, show me more. He's got more for you. It's, they're just not words on a page. And some things cannot be simply comprehended with the natural understanding of the mind. We need God to enlighten us. So we need to pray, God, show me more. I want, I want to walk in this peace. I don't want to be troubled. I'm going to share with you just real brief, and then we'll close. <clears throat> this has been a perplexing season for me personally as a pastor. So many things have happened in the last 18 months. And there's so many opinions. So many opinions. People I highly respect in the body of Christ. You know, I'm just watching. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, and I'm taking it to the Lord and say, God, help me to understand. And some things God's going to, will show me. And some things he's saying, don't focus on it. Like, just don't focus on it. Focus on me and wh what I'm doing. Because he's doing something so much bigger. So much bigger. And the enemy wants us to get caught up. And I'm going to tell you, it's challenging to me. Get caught up in uh, like a second heaven realm. And deal with the opinions of people. And it's all over the place. And it, it can be very confusing. But God's saying, you got you to leave the second heaven. What do I mean by the second heaven? It's like there's demonic division, there's opinions of men, and, and we, but if we go into the third heaven, that's where God is. That's where Jesus. There's no confusion in heaven. There's no confusion up there. Down here, we're going to debate, there's strife, 
we got to go up higher and say, God, I want to hear your heart. I want to see what you're doing. And then we just, when we partner with heaven and we receive the peace of God. And so we don't try to enter into argument and debate about very temporal things. But we set our hearts on the eternal things. Do you hear me? I'm speaking to myself. I hear you, Pastor Bill. I really am. We have to set our heart on the eternal things. God is so much bigger, and he loves. His love never fails. There's a great harvest coming. The enemy wants to distract us with strife and debate, division. I've never seen more division in the body of Christ than throughout. There's, but come up higher, up here. Let's get in touch with the head. There's no, there's no strife and debate up here. The head who is Christ Jesus. Let's take our marching orders there. Let's communicate with his heart and have his heart for one another and see so that like yesterday in Herald Square, people are getting healed, people are stepping in and they've heard before, like the gospel will be proclaimed. Let's stay up there. Stuff is going to happen in the earth realm. I don't know, like COVID happened. It was perplexing. Don't. Let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. Believe in Jesus. He's got a plan. He's preparing a way for you. He's bringing you into the fullness of that. Stay there. That's called abiding in the vine. Read John 13 to 17 over and over again. This upper room discourse. Say, God, as you're reading it, say, God, help me to understand this and show me more. Help me to understand this. Pray it with them. Don't just read it to get your, got my Bible reading and I'm checking off the Bible app. I do that too. But we got to engage. <laughs> just don't, just don't. Engage with the scripture. Say, God, show me what you're saying here in a deeper way and show me more. I want to know this peace because I haven't fully walked in this peace, but I want to walk in this peace and show me more. Let's all stand. So if you're here this today, and you maybe you've gotten caught, and sometimes, and I have, so it's common. You've been caught up in that second second heaven confusion and debate. I want you, I invite you. And I'm going to be the first one here <laughs> to repent. Say, God, help me to not get caught there. Help me to be caught up with you and the beauty 
of heaven, the beauty of who you are. One thing I desire, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When my father and mother forsake me, meaning those closest around me, then the Lord will take me up. Let's park and camp in that place. And if you want to do that, I'm just going to open up the front and we're just going to come and kneel before the Lord and just say, come Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.